Hey, welcome back to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's podcast episode, we're exploring the trap of comparison in our lives as women. We all know the stereotypes about friendship with other women. Gossip, backstabbing, vicious comments, but you know what? I think that friendship, and I am talking wholesome, authentic, healthy friendship with other women is something that is necessary in our lives as women. Friendship with other women isn't something that's good for some, not for all, or not worth the effort. I really truly believe that we all need friendship with other women in our lives because we learn how to be women from other women, whether that's the women who are accompanying us as we all journey back to Christ's sacred heart or from the examples of women who've walked this path before us, like the saints and Our Lady. I'm diving into the subject with a familiar voice to this podcast, Jenny Coaches. She came on the show to talk about raising twice exceptional children a few years back, and she's back today to talk about comparison, imposter syndrome, and how to be authentic in our friendships. Jenny is an author, a blogger, and an advocate for gifted and twice exceptional children, but most of all, she's a mom, and she's passionate about her faith and her children and enjoys sharing what she's learned with others. If you've ever compared your story, your body, your strength, your gifts, your weaknesses, or any other aspect of your life to the women around you, this letter is for you. Jenny, welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to have you back on the show. Thanks, Chloe. I'm excited to be here. So today we're going to be talking about the trap of comparison in the lives of women, the imposter syndrome and how it harms Catholic women and how to overcome the lies of comparison in our friendships. But before we dive in, Jenny, for listeners who haven't gotten the chance to meet you, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Well, um, I'm a cradle Catholic. <laughs> like, do I go back to the beginning? Um, no, I mean, I, you know, I was I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, my dad um, was actually a lot older than most dads. You know, my kids' age, he was a pre-Vatican II Catholic, so I was kind of raised with like one foot in the more of the traditional um, sense. You know, and I. Fortunately, um, I went off to college in Houston and met my husband um, at a Catholic school. And so, you know, he's been instrumental. Like I always tell him he saved me Um, because, you know, there were there are those times when everybody has, you know, sessions of doubt and valleys. And um, I had a pretty big session, a big valley, I guess, um, in in undergrad just for a variety of reasons. And, you know, God sent him to me and and really um, helped me move forward. So. We've been married, um, it'll be 18 years this summer, and we have three kids, 13, 9, and 5. I look at myself like a work in progress. You know, I, I keep telling, you know, my kids and my husband, if I get to heaven, it's going to be on their coattails because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, I try really hard, but, you know, that's, that's all I can do is try. So, and, and I take really great solace um, in St. Bailey Martin. She's kind of like my girl, you know, reading her letters and just reading like the desperation in her voice about, you know, how tired she was and how frustrating, you know, living this life was. Um, it gives me hope because, you know, if she, if she's a saint, then, you know, maybe I have a slight chance <laughs> of eventually <laughs> achieving that. So. Um, yeah, that's that's my story. I love St. Zelie oh. and how she writes about Therese, where it's easy to think Therese as 24-year-old Therese, who is talking about the little way, and she's striving towards heaven in the convent, and then to get a sneak peek mm-hmm. into her younger life through the eyes of her oh, mom. Yeah. She just keeps throwing tantrums. I just don't know what to do. Oh, this is yeah, so yeah. great. I'm not alone. <laughs> 
Yep. You know, it's, and it was like that with her other kids, too. I think Leone, there's some speculation that Leone was on the spectrum. And so that fits in with my kids really well. You know, the, the rigidity, the, the the fixation on things, the, you know, the, the questioning of faith, sometimes even morals. You know, it, it's it, it's just very comforting. It's a bomb to my soul. So, yes, I totally get that. Today's podcast, I wanted to have a conversation with you about comparison. Um, I think it's so beautiful to start this conversation off by talking about women who we admire, especially women who are saints. But I think sometimes even when we look to women who are saints, there's this trap to compare our stories to them, mm-hmm. especially as women. And we compare our stories or the things that we're good at or the things we're bad at or our families or our kids or our lives. Why do you think that we as women in particular struggle with comparison? How do you think it's hurting us when we fall into that trap? I've put a lot of thought into that. And, and I think it comes down to how we're wired. We have a, the receptivity and that, that openness kind of to you know, nurturing other people. And so we are highly sensitive, I think, in a lot of ways to even the smallest reactions of the people around us. So first of all, you know, there's that sense of like, you say something or you, you know, you wear something or you do something and you notice somebody's body language or their tone of voice. And you, you perhaps you internalize that as, you know, a, some kind of criticism of who you are. Um, when in reality, that's, that's not it at all. And I think, I think where that comes from, um, you know, Satan's really good at taking beautiful things and twisting them. Um, and he, is he also excels in the idea of desolations, um, which St. Ignatius talks about this a lot, um, the idea of like desolations versus consolations. So, you know, thoughts that kind of come into our head, like, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, you know, and, and I think that that also feeds on those initial kind of fears of, or even misinterpretations of um, the people or the situations around us. But the good thing is that, you know, God can, just like Satan can take beautiful things and twist them and destroy them, you know, God can take anything and make it beautiful. And so I think in that way, I think that's how it affects us, you know, as Catholic women, because we go on this journey, I think, of discovering who we are um, and who God is calling us to be. And, you know, along the way, developing, you know, a sense of humility, but also at the same time as being humble, you know, being able to recognize our own self-worth. You know, I, I always used to say, like, you know, with women, it's, you know, very, um, well, I guess when I think about my husband, you know, when my husband and his brothers fight, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll out there, you know, throw a couple of punches, you know, knock each other down, stomp on each other, and then it's over, you know. <laughs> but with women, it's like, you know, it's so much more fragile and, you know, kind of dancing around one another. So I, I do think it goes back to just the, the wiring of who we are and and a tendency for, for Satan, not to say that Satan is the root of all comparison. I don't think that he is, but um, I think he does have, you know, a, a role in it. And I, I think he does call us to question ourselves in that way. I think too, especially with my experience with comparison as a woman, you're talking about how we, it's easy to pick up on mis- misconceptions of how we perceive a situation mm-hmm. or with people. And I think just in my story, the fact that social media, I think has exasperated that because I don't see someone's face when they're writing that comment and they don't see me and my story because mm-hmm. I'm just someone on the internet on a forum. Sure. Or on, and so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but I love too how that got the root of it. It's a sensitivity and that's, that's a strength. It's not that being sensitive to others right. and, and their stories mm-hmm. is a bad thing. It's just that it's easy to, right. to have that twisted. 
Yeah, absolutely. Jenny, you have this really fantastic blog that I'm going to link in the show notes for today's episode. And it's about the imposter syndrome and how it hurts Catholic Mm -hmm. women. And for women who are just hearing that phrase imposter syndrome for the first time, can you explain what that is and how it's affected your life as a Catholic woman? Yeah. um, So back in the in the 1970s, um, there were two female psychologists who coined this term, um, imposter syndrome. And they, what they were seeing is that a lot of their clients, mostly women, um, were coming in to their office and really expressing a sense of like worthlessness or not a fraudulence, I guess despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. So you would, for example, just, you know, to pick something random out of the air, you'd have, you know, a woman working on her PhD in chemistry, let's say, you know, she's excelling, um, you know, she's, she's done well in all of her coursework. Um, She's been picked up um, in the department for, you know, special projects, her, you know, professors, are all, you know, very complimentary, her dissertation's going well, and yet, you know, she would come into her session and say, I don't deserve to be here. Any minute now, somebody's going to find out that I don't belong here and that everything I've ever done has just been luck. I think it, it is very common in women, as I said. It becomes a sort of game that you play, you know, in your mind, where instead of looking at your accomplishments and saying, wow, you know, God has really blessed me with the ability to do this, and I'm so grateful. You say, there's no way that I could have done that on my own merits, or, you know, I'm totally the wrong person to be speaking about this. And in fact, like, while, you know, I was waiting um, for your call, and, you know, as we you know, were going through the details, the pre-recording details, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be terrible. I, you know, any minute now, people are going to find out that I am not anyone to be talking about this and I have no idea what I'm talking about at all and that I'm, you know, just worthless and, and clueless. Um, and, and that's exactly what imposter syndrome is. It's, you know, it's feeling that you don't have the ability or the gifts or the talents, you know, for, for the things that you've done to actually come to fruition and that it was all just a mistake or dumb luck. What's the antidote to that? I know for me, as I'm listening to you say these things, I'm thinking, I've thought those exact same things, right? The the irony of me sitting here on the recording side of things, being the one to press record button, having similar thoughts. They're going to know. They're going to know that I'm recording this podcast (laughs) because I'm the one who struggles with this. I'm recording this podcast on comparison because I need to listen to a podcast on comparison. (laughs) So why am I the one hosting it? What's what's the antidote? How do we, we see the wound? How do we heal that? What does that what does that look like? Well, you know, there's there's a couple of things. I think from a purely psychological standpoint, it's a it's a matter of retraining the brain and developing um, new patterns of thought because your brain falls into habits. Um, you know, we as humans we tend to be creatures of habit. We like to do things the same way. You know, we we get up and you know have our morning routine and we eat the same things for breakfast and. You know, some of us will even go to a restaurant and order the same thing that we got last time or, you know, our workout routines are the same or similar. You know, there's familiarity in those habits and the brain works in similar ways. Um, You know, the brain holds on to different patterns of thought. And the more those patterns of thought are fired or, you know, I guess spoken in the brain, um, the more ingrained they become. So then it becomes a second nature event, I guess, where you immediately default into that. So. From a psychological standpoint, it becomes a matter, like I said, of, of rewiring and recreating those pathways. So, when, you know, when you have that thought, you know, where you say, I'm not worthy of this or this is a mistake, you know, you immediately stop and say, no, I am worthy of this. This is not a mistake. And then you can, you know, go through and you can catalog 
the specifics of, you know, how you got there, the work that you did, the things that you did to achieve wherever you are. And then I think from a spiritual standpoint, it's a matter of reminding yourself continually that God has made you and that he does not make mistakes. And so, you know, there is no, when you are fulfilling his will, when you are following his call, you are walking the path that he has set out in front of you. And yes, it's hard sometimes to see, you know, to discern what God's will is for our lives. But every every decision we make, every step that we take, if we are open to God's will, it's going to be the kind of thing where, you know, he's going to use it to better ourselves. So, you know, instead of saying, instead of doubting ourselves that way, we can say, you know, okay, I am taking this step. I am I am doing these things. God is with me. God has put me in this position. If he wants me to do something different, he'll let me know. You know, and then continually asking the Holy Spirit for guidance. And well, and then third, um, really surrounding yourself with people who support you. So making sure that you're not in kind of a toxic relationship situation where you are literally competing with other people, putting on your blinders and just saying, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to achieve this. This is how I'm going to get there. Um, And then, you know, making sure that the, the people you spend your time with are people who are honest with you, you know, first and foremost, but also, you know, love you and want you to succeed. And so they're going to be honest and and truthful and supportive. Yeah, the community aspect of that is such a big piece because it's so helpful to have friends and family members who can speak into that and call out the lies, especially in those moments where I don't want to call out the lie. I have had friends who've come alongside and said, no, you are talented right here. And this is a way God's blessed you. And I think that's such a big part of it too, because I think there could be a temptation to say, no, I am qualified because of all of these things I have done. And then really to be able to look at it through the lens of, no, I'm qualified to be here. I have something to say and it matters. And it's because I've been, I've been blessed by God with these talents and these situations that I've lived through. And that's what, what makes me qualified here. Yeah. Because he's given it to you. You know, he's, he's given you the ability and everything that you do points back to him. Everything that you've achieved is for his glory, you know, through him. So yeah, absolutely. Jenny, in one of the blogs that you've written on comparison, you have this great line that I'm just going to read word for word because it's it's great and really powerful. You write, frankly, I'm tired of it and I'm tired of the good enough response. It's time to reclaim our womanhood and the power that entails. Time to own our goodness without the use of a qualifier. And I think what you're saying is so needed in today's world as women, but it's easy to think, okay, I'm good because God's made me good. I'm beloved. I'm qualified because he's given me gifts to be here. I have a place. But then to kind of have that be a vague idea, something that a lot looks really good on an inspirational poster, but I don't know what that sounds like and looks like in my daily life. Do you have any practical ways that we can begin to reclaim our womanhood in our daily lives as we battle against these lies of comparison or these, this lie of worthlessness? I think building positive friendships. I mean, I, I know, you know, I, I think being able to, you know, I, I don't want to say posse, like build a, a posse of women, you know, but, but having, you know, having positive friendships and, and that strength of community, I think, um, is definitely one way to do that. I think also, you know, it's hard because you, you walk this fine line between wanting to remain humble and, and at the same time being able to, to say, you know, yes, I am a woman. Yes, I am, you know, worthy of this. I think, Really, a lot of that is going to fall to, you know, looking to the saints and, you you know, really focusing on their examples. And, you know, looking at Mary and her fiat, you know, she, you know, said yes without a qualifier. She could have, she could have said no. She could have, you know, she could have just said, this isn't for me. I'm not strong enough, but she didn't. If you look at 
the women and who are saints and doctors of the church, you know, throughout church history, these are all women who said yes. You know, and if we apply that to ourselves and say, you know, I'm a woman saying yes to God's will for my life, saying yes to the person that he's created me to be. While it's not concrete, you know, it's, it's a change in the heart that I think is necessary. And also it helps rebuild, you know, that those pathways in the brain and those um, thought patterns that are that tend toward the more negative. So, I mean, that, that would really be, I think, my main answer to that question. I've been talking a lot with my spiritual mentor about this idea of worthiness and the struggle with comparison and talking to her about how a lot of times it just seems like I fall into two ditches. On on one side of this, there's the ditch of worthlessness. I'm worthless. Nothing that I do matters. I don't have a place here. And then on the other side of the ditch, when I overcorrect, I fall into the ditch of perfectionism. I have to do this perfectly. I have to do this the best possible way that I can. And if it, there's any mistakes, I just jump back into the worthless ditch as I'm correcting from the perfectionism ditch. And so, yeah, I just, the yeah, this idea of, of remembering that we're good and changing the way that we talk about ourselves and making sure we have a kind posture to ourselves is such a good reminder. Yeah. And, and also, I think, you know, seeing ourselves as a work in progress, because that's not, you know, re- age and, you know, wisdom, you know, you, you grow and you change. You know, when I was 20, I thought I knew everything. And then, you know, I got married at 24 and I thought I knew everything. And then I had my first baby at 28 and I realized I knew nothing, you know, and then, you know, see, and then, um, you know, I had another one at 32 and I was like, okay, I got this. But then, you know, I had my third at 36 and I was like, holy cow, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and, you know, now I'm 42 You know, I will say, like, I can look back on my life and I can say, you know, there are some things that I have learned and I I do have some wisdom in these areas. And I look back at that 20-year-old me and I think, oh, my gosh, you know, poor child. (laughs) You you needed someone to come swoop in on you and save you from yourself. But still, you know, I can still say, you know, gosh, I still have some some growing to do and it's okay, you know, that that I am where I am right now and um, there's all there's a purpose for it, so... Yeah, speaking into that piece of humility that, that there's still room to grow. There's still, if we're called to be the woman God's created us to be, I mean, ultimately, we're not going to reach that level of perfection. He's not going to be able to fully perfect us until we're in heaven. And so there's always room. There's always room to grow. Yeah, yeah. We're taking a quick break for a word from today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Jenny and I recorded this episode of Letters to Women in the middle of a global pandemic. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. Two months of a global health crisis has stirred up a lot for me. I've really struggled to adjust to not being able to go out and do my normal things like sitting down at a coffee shop with a friend or browsing the library bookshelves. And I'm trying to figure out how to navigate relationships with friends and family in a healthy way amidst a lockdown. If you're discovering something similar and you're ready to work towards healing and achieving your goals, you should check out BetterHelp. They're making professional counseling accessible, affordable, convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime anywhere. BetterHelp will assess your needs and path to healing and then match you with a licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. With BetterHelp, you can log on to your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all from the comfort of your own front room. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit trybetterhelp.com/ltw that's try better H E L P slash L T W. Think letters to women and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Letters to women listeners get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash L T W. That's try better 
H-E-L-P slash L-T-W. Let's get back to our conversation with Jenny about combating comparison and our friendships with Catholic women. You know, I I think another thing that isn't helping necessarily in this fight to dismantle this lie of not enough is the fact that it's, it's a lie that we're sold constantly from a beauty industry, from an advertising agency. How can we work to accept the reality that in truth we, we are enough as women while still balancing everything we've been talking about, that humility, that growing to, to be the women that God has created us to be? Yeah. You know, um, that's a tough one because we're inundated with it, you know, consistently. Um, I will say, you know, I, I will give not the entertainment industry, I guess the advertising industry, I will give them credit because I lately, the more I shop online, um, because that's a bad habit of mine, <laughs> I'm seeing, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more diverse uh, women, you know, in their advertisements, you know, women of all different shapes, women of all different sizes, you know, women of different skin tones and colors, you know, so it's becoming less of an issue than maybe it was a decade ago. But I, you know, I, I think it's still there. Even my, my 13-year-old, probably about a year or so ago, without, you know, I, I don't talk about how I feel about myself, you know, in front of my kids. I don't, I don't cut myself down or anything like that because I don't want my, my children to do that. But, you know, she was like, gosh, mom, you know, I think I'm getting fat. And, and this child is like sticks in. She's like tall and lanky like her father. There's like not an ounce of fat on her. But she somehow, you know, just picked it up from the messages around her. And I don't have an easy answer for that that doesn't fall kind of back to the things we've already mentioned. You know, I, I think it, it all comes to one central point, and that is knowing who we are um, as a daughter of God. We were made, you know, specifically the way he wanted. The the scripture quote that's, you know, I formed you in your mother's womb. It's in the Psalms. I don't know. I can't remember which one. The the gospel passage where, you know, he, he talks about God watches over the sparrows. You know, of course, he's going to watch over you. There's so much there, hard evidence, you know, of God speaking to us. And, and even in, you know, you think about the sacraments, you know, the fact that we are given the Eucharist as we are, provided, you know, that we're not in a state of mortal sin, that we're in a state of grace. Um, and, and then, you know, even if we're not in a state of grace, you know, we have the sacrament of reconciliation. So I think being able to apply those same kind of concepts and, and ideas to ourselves and, and say, you know, I am, I hold God within me, you know, and, and if there are things that I need to work on that, you know, that I, that I would like to work on, I can certainly work on them, you know, just as I can go to confession and confess my sins and, and work, you know, to hold on to that grace longer and perfect it as best I can. I'm in a fitness group for Catholic women because I, I enjoy running. I just always have. And so one of the, one of the women had posted that, you know, she was having a hard time concentrating while she was exercising because all she could think about was how she was not good enough, how she couldn't do the moves, you know, the right way, or, you know, she couldn't follow the instructor or just couldn't get the hang of it. And I, you know, my heart went out to her and I, because it's the kind of thing where, you know, you feel so much pressure to be perfect. And it really takes a lot of internal work and effort to come to the place where you can say, you know, it's okay. I'm going to make an approximation of this particular move or or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm going to make an approximation of it. And, you know, as I practice, I'm going to get better. It's kind of like developing, you know, the the buzzword or the buzz phrase lately, growth mindset, you know, being able to say, you know, I, I can grow in this area. If I need to grow in this area, maybe I'm not there yet, but I will be. And again, you know, seeing yourself as a work in progress, that is being cultivated by God, uh, the one who loves us more than we can even imagine. I really like how you're sharing about 
how you speak about yourself around your kids. That I think is a really beautiful takeaway from our conversation too. I know in the year that I've had Maeve, just learning what I say about myself that I previously, we know when I, before I had kids, maybe even would have said out loud to myself when I'm looking at myself in the mirror in the morning. I don't want my daughter to say that about herself, but it has to start with me. I have to stop saying things about my body that way. And just being able to to teach the women that we interact with, whether it's our daughters or our friends or our sisters, whoever that may be, being able to lead by example and not and start by not speaking of ourselves that way. And that takes a lot of, in, in the beginning, at least for me, and it still does, it takes a lot of mental effort to stop that thought and retrain my brain to not say that. Yeah, absolutely. I've been talking to a lot of women about friendships with other women, and we've been talking about the importance of good community and how women who come alongside you and are able to call out the lies and encourage you to become the woman that God's created you to be. But I think a stereotype that a lot of women experience, could experience in their friendship with other women is that it just seems like friendship's a competition or if someone has a different gift or a gift that I desire to grow in, it means that I have less of that. How do we combat that stereotype of comparison in our friendships with other women so that we can grow that community where we all support each other? I think the, like, I can actually identify with this personally because I, my closest friends actually have been women who, when I first met them, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I didn't even want to associate with them because I thought, well, clearly they think they're better than me. So I don't even want to talk to them. And that wasn't the way it turned out at all. You know, I mean, these women are some of the closest people to me in my life. And and also, you know, I, I think just as a, a specific example, when we were, I'm borderline PCOS. So fertility, um, we've never had trouble getting pregnant, but, you know, our kids are spaced out four years apart, which is kind of unusual, but that's just the way my cycles work. And so when we were trying to conceive our third, our my son, I, I was starting to get, I, I was starting to feel kind of jealous of other women. And, and I was getting irritated, you know, that other people were having babies and I, and I wasn't. Uh, I remember there was one woman I knew um, who she posted on Facebook that she was pregnant. And I, instead of like my normal visceral reaction of like, oh, that's so annoying. There was just this overwhelming sense of joy and happiness for her. And then like four weeks later, I ended up getting pregnant. Now, I don't think, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't think the two are related. I don't think that, you know, because I was grateful that, you know, God was like, okay, time for a baby. No, I don't, I don't think that's how it works. Um, what it helped me see is that, you know, it's okay for me to be happy for other women and the success that they're having. Because, you know, there's another Catholic blogger, her name is Christine Canino. And one of the things that she says is there's no competition in God's economy. You know, everything that we're doing is for the glory of God. And and there's no competition in that. There's no, um, you know, we're all trying to move forward and to evangelize, you know, in our own way, in whatever way that is that we're called to. I think praying for a spirit of gratitude, praying for you know, the pure ability to be genuinely happy for the people around us, and then recognizing that it's, it's all God anyway. So it's all his, you know, individual talents and his graces. Um, it just depends on where he's decided to put it at that moment. Then it becomes not a like a you against me type thing. It becomes more of a, you know, we're in this together, and we have all these things that we can contribute for the greater good and, and for God's glory. I mean, ultimately, it's what we've been talking about, right? That we have these abilities because because God gives them to us. And so it's not right. that I'm jealous about this one woman's ability to do these. I I need to do is, is change to a posture of gratitude that God has given her that gift and that she's using it so beautifully. Yes. Yeah. 
Jenny, we're just scratching the surface of so many good things that you have written about comparison and about imposter syndrome and all of the things that we've been talking about in building community. For listeners who want to keep diving into this conversation and discover more, where can they find you online? Um, well, there's my website, which is uh, notsoformulaic.com. And then I'm, at, I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash notsoformulaic. And I'm sort of on Instagram. I've kind of taken a hiatus, but I'm on there um, at Jenny Coaches. The one question that I always ask women who come on the show as we discover and explore and embrace what it means to live out the feminine genius in our daily life is this one. Jenny, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life as a woman who's working on rejecting those lies of inadequacy and fraudulence in your own life and, and to inviting women to do the same in their lives too. I think, you know, I, I saw this question. I was like, gosh, I don't want to like, it went back to the whole like imposter syndrome. I don't want to answer this and sound like I'm bragging, you know, <laughs> so, but I, but I, I think for me, it's been a matter of, of building um, the community around my website, you know, the a community for women who, um, you know, who feel alone, who feel less than, and who feel kind of ostracized because, you know, perhaps their kids, the children that they're raising don't really fit the expected mold um, or the idea of what, you know, a picture-perfect Pinterest Catholic family would look like. Um, you know, they're devout women. They're, you know, they're, they're raising children in a devout manner, but their kids are, are different. They're a little, um, you know, quirky, intense, maybe not the quote-unquote best-behaved um, in public. And so, you know, they, they begin to think, well, gosh, you know, clearly I'm a horrible mother, um, you know, and I can't, I can't raise the kids that God has given me because, you know, that's how I felt. I thought that I was just flawed and, and worthless. And I, I don't ever want a woman to feel that way. So, you know, when I founded my website and my community, that's, that was the whole purpose was to really help these women see the the goodness and um, God's graces in the vocation that they've been called to. So I guess that would be my answer to that question. So. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. I've loved learning more about imposter syndrome and comparison from what you've written. And multiple times that I've read your posts, it's just this realization that I'm not the only one who's struggling with this and I'm not alone. And so thank you for sharing yeah. that on your, that's just been such a, that's been such a gift in my own life. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and, and sharing yeah. your story. It's just been one, just been great to have you back in chat. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Chloe. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. I hope you enjoyed Jenny and I's conversation. If you want access to any of the resources that were mentioned in today's podcast, you can find them in the show notes over at oldfashionedgirlblog.com. There you'll find links to a couple of resources that Jenny mentioned. And I'm also going to link the original episode that Jenny and I did together about raising twice exceptional children. If you want to learn more about what Jenny is so passionate about and she's so wonderful at speaking into and advocating for. I really recommend checking that podcast out. And I'm really excited for a couple of episodes that are coming and in the works. Can't wait to share them with you. So make sure you're subscribed to Letters to Women on your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And that's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid. <laughs>